His Love Christian Fellowship is excited to share this podcast with you. We hope you enjoy this message. Wow. Is worship awesome or not? You know, it seems like the Lord has a theme today. I don't know if you guys picked up on that or not, but... <laughs> I'm always I'm always amazed when he when he does that. And Marty, your your uh, your call to worship was awesome. Uh, and I thought, man, it's 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 so true. I'm gonna I've got to read this word. Teresa said, "Well, Marty's not responded." Here's some, she said, "You got anything to call worship?" And I go, "Uh, no." And so she said, "Here it was an awesome word on Elijah list by Elizabeth." Uh, oh. Who was it? Elizabeth Enlow, Johnny Enlow's wife. And uh, it is on the same theme that you shared. And I thought, oh, my gosh. But it's a little bit different take on it. And it's short, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read it. And uh, uh, every season and every obstacle maximizes our capacity to love. That's the name of it. Each season of our soul can be hard, yet uniquely good in what it accomplishes in us, if we find God there. And that's always the challenge, isn't it? The sunny days of summer are too hot, and the cozy days of winter are too cold. Even though every season has the potential to be amazing, each also has its own tests and challenges. Why? In order to answer this question, I'm going to borrow one of my favorite quotes from Mr. Wonderful a.k.a. Johnny Enlow. <clears throat> Your life is an, an obstacle course designed by God to maximize your capacity to love. I thought, man, that's awesome. Point number one, life can be an obstacle course. Life wasn't meant to be easy. Imagine a runner who thinks he's running a sprint when he's actually running a hurdle race. If he thinks it's only about running fast, then he's going to be pretty shocked and frustrated every time he comes up to a hurdle that only looks like a roadblock to him. But if he has trained for hurdles and expects them, he most likely enjoys the race because he has positioned himself for success. Same is true for an obstacle course. Many people actually train for them and enjoy the challenge. Point of every obstacle on an obstacle course is getting over it to overcome hey, you ever had God say that to you like get over it it's like but God get over it okay I've had him say that to me before no 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 I'm, I'm wanting God to talk to me <laughs> seasons are difficult seasons are difficult because they serve a greater purpose and teach us to overcome don't stop to complain about the obstacles or you'll grow weary and get stuck. Keep moving. Point two, the course you're on was specifically designed by God for you. That can be quite disheartening when it's painful. Pain brings confusion and opens a door to lies like nothing else can, but pain can also reveal truth. And if we'll let it, it brings us the best gifts in life. I intend to write a whole book on this, so for now, I'll just say this. God isn't the source of the pain, but since he's the only one who can stop it, if he doesn't, then a trap door can open, revealing a slippery slope into hopelessness. Hope, in essence, is the ability to expect God to be good to us. When we lose hope, our filter of perception becomes damaged. 
We can't see his true heart for us, and we can even be in, and we can even be used by the enemy to advance the incorrect reputation of God in the earth. Mm, we don't want to do that. So just because he designed our obstacle course and it's super painful at times and doesn't mean it doesn't mean that he doesn't care about your pain or that he wants you to remain in that place. Just keep moving. Point number three. Whole point of the obstacle course is to maximize your capacity to love. I'll add to maximize your capacity to know how loved you are and to give that love away. You'll know you're truly successful at navigating the difficult seasons of your personal obstacle course as you see yourself growing in love. And isn't that what God's been doing over the past season with all of us, you know? There's no greater victory than love, not our definition of love, but His, the kind that's patient, kind, not envious, boastful, or proud, love that treats others honorably, isn't selfish or easily anchored, angered and doesn't build a case against someone. Love that doesn't like evil, but is thrilled about the truth. Always protects, trusts, hopes, and perseveres. You'll know you've learned his kind of love because it's the only unfailing one. Thing is, it's so perfect that you can't possibly come up with it on your own. All you can do is let it in when everything around you is trying to convince you that he doesn't love you and he cannot be trusted. But if you can hear his kindness above the pain and the desire for ease and comfort, which is what you were talking about, Tony, keeping your eyes focused on him, the portion, and let his love hit its mark in your heart, then you'll have more than enough of his love to give away. Hebrews 12.1 encourages us, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lie aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Any good athlete, when it's time to actually play the game, has to go back to the basics and the simplicity of focus. For us on the obstacle course of life, we must return to the basics of enduring love. Love him well, love yourself well, love others well, and keep moving. So I thought that was, I thought, I was sitting there listening to you, Marty, and I thought, oh my gosh, this is another piece of that, you know, goes right along with that. And, uh, I'm going to put this over here so I don't leave it because I could do that. <laughs> uh, I thought, you know, and isn't that, I mean, when we've hit obstacle courses in our lives, doesn't it, when you get right down to it, it's like, so what's happening here? It's like, ugh, God, I want to love you more through this, and I, want, I do want to learn to love others around, you know. And you know what? If everything goes perfect for every one of us, do we really grow? Do we really get deeper? Do we really grow in our love for God and for, for others when things are just cruising along? I've, it's like a child that grows up and is never told no and gets everything they ever want for birthday, Christmas, and all of that, and they get all good grades in school, and they never have an obstacle in their life, and they get out in the real job and can't handle it. You know, in real life, when they get out, because it's like, uh, you, I don't know that this job is what I really want to do. It makes me work. You know, you know what I'm saying? So, and I've noticed uh, other kids that were like, you know, where it seemed like, man, it's kind of rough growing up in your house. And then they come out excellent. And it's like, 
it's that it's that resistance training. Who is it? Somebody said, you know, if you would never build muscles if I put the weights down because they're too heavy to lift. It's kind of that. Got a couple of announce or announcements. Okay, so you guys remember the healing room Tuesday night at six thirty. Uh, this is for those in the School of Ministry. Uh, Teresa said, just finish the third section of the book session by Tuesday the 7th of November because you're going to have the healing room on the, this next Tuesday. And then Ethan will lead that night at our house at 630. Uh, Teresa and I are leaving Tuesday morning, very early Tuesday morning, um, we're going to be going out to Redding, California for the uh, Leaders Advance Conference. Um, and we'll be back on, we get back in the evening on the 11th, so we'll be back to church on the 12th. So, uh, I don't mind if we prayed for Teresa right now. She's home. She's, uh, I want her healthy. And she's uh, come down with kind of a cold. She's all plugged up taking stuff so could we just lift her up right now the lord to touch her father we just lift Teresa up to you right now god i ask that god i know well, we both know that you've wanted us going on this trip and going to that conference and so god i ask you to and i know you don't want her going sick and so i ask you to touch her and heal her right now god that you would clear up the the blockages in her sinus and we just rebuke infirmity off of her in the name of jesus so, Lord, we just bless her with health and vitality in your name. Amen. So, uh, we're, we're actually going out there. Uh, we're sharing. We're going on the same plane and sharing a house with uh, uh, Joe and Sarah Sheets. And uh, they said, hey, you guys want to go to that together? And we go, yeah. I actually barely got in because of all the stuff going on with me. And we'd already, they'd already rented a house, got the plane tickets, rental car and all that. And it's like, but we hadn't nailed down registering for the conference. And so I called them and they, because I went on three days before and it's like, okay. And then I went back three days later and they go, it's full, no more registration. I went, I've already got the house, plane tickets. So I called them. I sent them an email. Said, "Man, is there any? I was dealing with health issues. Is there any way?" And say they said, "Give us." I, I pulled every string. I, I called Chuck. Chuck, I can't get in the conference. Do you know anybody? And uh, before he responded, uh, anyway, I sent that and I told him. I said, uh, "I'm di- you know, I'm dying. Can I get in?" <laughs> You know, I immediately got a response. <laughs> Give us your phone number. We'll call you. I get, I, so I emailed right back, gave him the phone number, and within 10 minutes, boom, my phone rings. I go, awesome. So I go, and he said, I'm the guy that heads up all the registrations for the conference here at Bethel, and he said, we are, every single seat is totally full. And I said, eh, I'm sorry. I said, I, we already got a house plane. I'm dying. Uh, I said, did I say that? Uh, <laughs> anyway, he said, I'll tell you what he said. If you give me your card right now, he says, I'll register you right. I, I told him, I said, I will sit outside the doors on a chair in the hall. I don't, you know, he said, no, he said, I'll, I'll register you right now. If you give me your card, I said, here it is. 
So he said, okay. Uh, so they got me in. So I, don't, I may be sitting out in the hallway. I don't care. I really don't care. I will sit in the hallway. Okay. I want to talk about intercession today. And uh, I know I've talked on it before, but, uh, you know, one of the things that happened to me, uh, and I've had, I've had prophetic words, uh, uh, like Chuck, the first time he saw me, Mar, he says, there's a business anointing on you, you know, da, 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 and he saw this and this and other. And he, he said, I said, dual vocational thing on you. But before I ever got any words about that or anything feeling like the Lord wanted me to do that type of stuff, um, and this was back in Anderson, and uh, we were meeting at the Y, uh, I think it was the YMCA at that time. And so this was, this was early 70s, and uh, the Lord just highlighted, and he just, I, I remember the exact spot I was at, and nobody was preaching on this. He just spoke to me out of Ezekiel, and he said, as for you, son of man, I've made you a watchman for the house of Israel. When you hear a word from my mouth, give them a warning for me. And I mean, it was out of Ezekiel 33, verse 7, and it was like, and I go, wow, I have no idea what that is. You ever have God give you words or, or give something to you, and you go, I have no clue what this is. But, man, and I asked <laughs> ask one of our leaders at the time, I said, God just told me I'm a watchman. What is that? He goes, I don't know. <laughs> Thank you. We, you know, we were hippies. We were kids, got saved in the Jesus movement, getting cleaned up. And so our leaders were, I was, we were, uh, they were like three years older than us. Hard to call them elders, but you know, it's like, it's just the way it was. Anyway, so it took a while for me to understand what that calling was. You know, I've shared that with you guys before. It was like learning about that. But what really began to set things in motion, and I took it literally, you know, to where we was doing a Bible study at our house in Anderson, and uh, we had a police officer that was coming, and we knew their family, and he uh, all of a sudden didn't show up. I'd already gotten this word, and, uh, you know, basically goes on Ezekiel to say that if you don't give them the word of warning and I'm coming to deal with them, then I'm going to require their blood from your hands. And so I kind of took that serious. You know, and um, so he wasn't coming anymore. And so I asked, I asked her, I said, so where, where's he at? He's not been. He says, he moved in with his girlfriend and left me. I immediately thought of this call. What's his address? So I knocked out. He worked a night shift. So I knocked, I knocked on his door at 8 o'clock in the morning. And he got, a girlfriend came to the door first. And I go, so and so here? Yeah. And he came up. And I just told him, I said, you know, uh, I don't want your blood on my hands. And so God said, you know, this is sin. You leaving your wife, moving in with your girlfriend is sin. God is not going to bless you. He's wanting you to, you need to cut this thing off and get back with your wife. He goes, well, thanks for coming. Never saw him again. He never went back with his wife, and she stayed single the rest of her life. But I was released from that. So to me, I thought, oh, great. I get to do this all the rest of my life. <laughs> but what God really was trying to get me to do was uh, when we got that in, in, I think it was maybe late 90, 
real early 91 because we started the church in Easter of 91. Uh, Teresa and I were sitting in a meeting. We are going to a church over in Bloomington at that time that we went for a couple of years and had a conference. We were sitting there and had a uh, prophetic guy from the uh, vineyard out of Cincinnati. And uh, we were sitting back, maybe in the middle of the crowd. You know, we weren't up front. You know, we didn't have anything. And he, all of a sudden, in the meeting, he called us out. And he goes, you two. And we're like, no, 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 you two. You know, that type of thing. And he said, God has, some, God has a word for you guys. And so he pulled us up, pulled us over to the side. And uh, we'd never had that happen before where somebody picked us out of a crowd. You know, I'd, I mean, I made sure my hair was combed and I looked okay. I didn't stand out. And, uh, and he looked at us and he said to Teresa, and he, that's when you never get prophetic words. You know how sometimes they just, boom, they're solid. It's like a life word that just, I mean, you get some that's like, oh, that's, that's cool. That's encouraging type of thing. But this was a life pillar. And he said, you've got to work in you. There's a work in, he's telling Teresa, you've got to work in you. That he said, uh, God's wanting to do. And he goes on, he said, but he looked at me and he said, but it won't happen unless you cover her and you protect this thing. And I'm like, okay. And so that was our, that was, and this was part of being the watchman that God was calling me two years ago. And so the work has been, and so there's always that thing of working things out and walking and Teresa's trying to like, uh, you know, and, but the work has been in her, you know, it's over 26 years now and I'm a lot more clear and I got tired of getting the prophetic words of like, we see all these stripes on her back. Are you covering her? I'm doing the best I can. You know, I told you guys that I'm doing the best. I, I needed more revelation. I needed to come into a higher place in that. But what I want to say is, and Teresa is the one that is the arrow going forward. She's the one that the vision that God's given to her for what we're doing in this church. And you guys know that you're all a part of that. Uh, and I like it that Bill Johnson had that. Uh, he shared one time, he said, uh, when a leader has a vision, you know, like he had a vision for uh, revival and he, of, of what's happening in this move that God wanted to do at Bethel. And he said, your leadership team needs to be 100% behind the vision of the leader that's got that. And so our leadership is, has been for years. That's like, it's focused on, on that. Okay, so where do intercessors come in? Intercessors are ones who stand in the gap, break open a way for the one with the vision, the vision to go forth. And so... Uh, one of the things in Ezekiel 22, 30, uh, was just, a see where are we at. So I, here was the Lord talking to Ezekiel and he said, so I sought for a man among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it, but I found no one. There was also in Isaiah, um, and I think it's, I think it's, Isaiah 50. But anyway, he's going, I looked for a man to intercede, to stand in the gap, and I found no one. And so the Lord said, so my own arm brought. So what God is saying is, I've, I have a desire to partner 
and see my things. I'm looking for someone to partner with me, to stand in agreement with me, to see things broken open and my purpose come forth on the earth. That that's what God's looking for. And so, you know, this whole church is an intercessory prayer church. You know, you guys know we've done intercession uh, through the years and, and gone places and all that kind of thing. But the there's no way that Teresa can do what she's called to do and to go into all the nations she's gone to without there being intercession, without having her covered in prayer. Mike and Teresa years ago came alongside us, wow, years ago, as just intercessors and just standing, and their whole focus was to just serve the vision, serve the calling, to protect it and to, and to pray for opening on all of that. And God is calling that's one of the reasons, you know, God is, God has done intercession all through, you know what a watchman is definition of a watchman. It's the word Hebrew word pagah, and it means to stand, lean forward and appear into the distance. That's what it means. And that is the most used word for watchman that occurs in the old Testament to lean in and peer into the distance. And I thought that's exactly what an intercessor does. It's like you come in and say, God, what's on your heart? What are you seeing Lord that I need to see so that I can agree with what your heart is, you know, and all of us are called to be intercessors, to be honest with you. You may be working in a job and God's saying, you're my intercessor. You're the one, you're the one to stand in the gap on your job workplace because maybe there's situations going on that you need to bring my purposes into your workplace. There's, there's maybe wherever you're at, God is calling us to be ones who lean forward, look into his purpose and agree to see that broken through into the earth. I, I, I regretted this, you know, when we always, I'll make this, I'll say this first. We always intercede before our meetings here. Sunday morning out in the, the trailer, you know, intercession isn't just a small part of like, uh, I don't have anything to do. I'll go out and pray with everybody. It is a calling. It is an important job for things to break open in here. I, I've told you guys before, it's amazing how many times, because nobody knows anything uh, when we go in there to pray. We have no idea what the message is going to be. We have no idea the songs they've picked out. None of that. We go in there uh, almost blindfolded, you know, and then we begin to say, we'll just kind of spend some time praying in the spirit, go, God, what's on your heart? What are, what are you wanting to do? And we'll just get senses of things and begin to pray those things. And it's amazing. I mean, almost every meeting time without fail. The things that we prayed for, we see coming about in the, in the service. That's not a coincidence. We're not that good. Hey, you want to take a guess on what's going to happen today? Uh, we'd be off every time. The Holy Spirit, God, I'm telling you, God is on the side of this going, I want people standing in the gap and praying for me. I want my purposes to go forth. So one of the things that I regretted was, and it hit me the first night, was when Chuck was here. And we did not have intercession for those meetings. 
first night we were here and it was like, oh, this is awesome. And then it seemed like there was a little bit of a cap. I don't know if anybody else sensed it or not, but it wasn't the wide open that we normally had. It felt like, I mean, Chuck was really good and the worship was good, but it was like, it just felt like there was a little bit of a ceiling. And I was like, Oh, I went home. I knew what it was. I thought, and and so I, we interceded. We didn't get the group together, but I stormed heaven, you know, and I, there was others who did that. We did that individually, but it was like, and so the next night was a little better, you know, and so we kept interceding on our own, but we should have gotten together. There is power in numbers. You can have one person praying over something, but if you get six or seven people in there that are in agreement, it moves more. You know, the Bible said one will send 1,000 to flight, two will send 10,000 to flight. I like those kind of numbers. That's a good reinforcement group when you've got, you can cause the enemy to flee that much. And so what I'm trying to say is intercession is so foundational it's stuff that's in the shadows. It doesn't, it's not up front. It's not, you would never know if people are praying or not, except Patricia doing her class in the other room because she can probably hear us. But uh, the effects that happen because of that are just immeasurable. It, you know what? Jesus had someone that broke the way open, prepared the way for him. If Jesus needed it, how much more do we? John the Baptist came to prepare the way of the Lord. So God has a pattern in his kingdom that he sends those to break open, to prepare. Jesus would have had, he was God, fully God, fully man, but he operated on this earth as a man with full access, open heaven to the, with the Holy Spirit. Because he, he represented who God was exactly. But he also said, you are going to have the same ability on this earth that I've had. And so he didn't go, well, I'm pulling a God thing here. Well, God, we can't do that. I know, but I just tired of this. And I'm just going to, you know, pull on my divinity for a minute. It's because he, he gave us an example of... of, of uh, how he was going to make it a, the ability for us to live. So if Jesus had to have a breaking open with John the Baptist, he came and he prepared hearts, you know, all the repentance that was going on, it wasn't a light thing, you know, and baptizing people and baptism was basically saying, I want to be different. I don't want to be living the way that I have before, you know, in, in Christianity, it's, you know, your old life has died underneath there and you come up a uh, new creation in Christ, but Jesus had that happen. And then, and so John the Baptist broke that open and made a way for them. And you know what, in Acts, when Peter, uh, when James was killed, you know, when Herod takes out the sword and he kills James and it thrilled the Jews. So he goes, Oh, cool. And so, you don't hear about the church praying. You know, James, he was, Stephen was the first martyr, you know, and everything gets scattered. But, but when they arrested Peter, the church went into prayer. They went and say, we cannot have Peter killed this early. 
you know, and so they go in to intercede. I don't know that they had a lot of faith because Peter shows up at the door and they spent so much time denying it. No, no, no. Peter's at the gate. Impossible. We're praying for his release. Quit interrupting us. We've got an agenda. And so they go back to praying and, and you know, and, and the girl's like, and I said, I'm, I'm telling you, Peter's out at the gate. No, no, no. It's his angel. We're praying for his release. And so, they, you know, and finally Peter goes, hey, it's really me. Can you let me in? <laughs> and I was like, oh, Peter's here, you know. And so what I'm saying in that is God honored their prayers, even though they weren't so full of faith going, I just got a feeling he's outside the door. And you look out and you go, hey, he's only a block away. You know, God, that's how much God wanted to honor that request. And so if he's wanting to honor things that much, how much more is he desiring for us to, to get into a place to say, God, we want your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And so we'll stand in that place. We'll stand in that place and say, God, break open more. You know what, you know what the vision is? That one of the, the things that is, is revival in this area. Revival in the nations, but revival in this area. I'm, I mean, this area turned upside down. Jesus is on our lips. And everybody's like, man, isn't Jesus wonderful? And you think, here? Yeah, here. The vision is from God. And it's true, or he wouldn't give it to you. You don't pick stuff like that on your own. You know, when I got saved, I told you guys this before, but... 1970, we had a, uh, there was a group, I was 16, middle of my junior year, and Church of God in Anderson, um, South Meridian Church of God, they had, uh, they invited a group of students, uh, an outpouring of the Holy Spirit had poured out at Asbury College in Wilmore, Kentucky, and they stayed in the chapel for three days, suspended all classes, because students were weeping, repenting, getting saved given testimonies and stuff like that and they were wise enough there to say we don't want to touch this thing god you're doing something it's, it's a methodist college and so they they put their hands off and so that went on well they started sending out witness teams and i think somehow they heard about it at church of god and they requested and so they sent some students up to the church of god on a sunday morning uh, and this was like february uh, maybe 20 second or something like that of 1970 and all they did was just share their testimonies holy spirit fell i mean fell this was a good sized church it was one of the main church of gods besides the one on the college campus and they had a huge sanctuary a balcony and the whole church rushed the altar up front started weeping and crying and the pastor's like this isn't normal. And so what, uh, and the presence of God came and he goes, I think we need to meet tomorrow night. God's, we don't want to stop what he's doing. And so they did that. Well, word began to spread through that denomination, you know, and I had a friend that went to that denomination. I went to something more refined, like the brother in church mom had us in. And uh, anyway, he said, hey, 
And I thought I was a Christian at the time. I went to church all, you know, my mom, she had us in church every time they thought about opening the doors. We'll be there. And so we were always there. And so I knew the Bible story. She read Bible stories to us at home. I, I knew all the stories and everything. And I told dirty jokes and I cussed like a sailor. And I, and I was just, but I went to church and said, said you a Christian? Yeah. Blankety blank I am. I never thought nothing about it. You know, I didn't do that at home, obviously. But you're in public school. <laughs> and so I, you know, and so my friend, and you know, he said, hey, something happened at one of our churches, man. They got, they're starting, they're meeting every night. It said God showed up. I never heard of nothing like that before. He goes, I think we ought to go check it out. I said, okay, cool. So we go, and it's like, they never preached. They had lines waiting to get up and tell what Jesus was doing that day in their workplace, in their schools, uh, what, was, what was going on, college campus. People were getting saved. I mean, it was like, and so they, so every night, we went every single night. They kept meeting every night. Said, so, well, we need to meet another night. And so well, I went, and I listened to testimonies. Never heard them preach, but I heard testimonies for a week. And it's like, and finally, you know, that's when I got saved. And <laughs> somebody said, Jesus is my best friend. And that's what God used. Because I had a best friend that took me to that meeting. I knew what a best friend was. And God just spoke to me and he said, you know all about me, but you don't know me. And I had to admit, I don't. But I do know about you. But I don't know you. And that's when I gave my life to him and told him he could have the rest of me. And bam. But my point in sharing that is. Um, that revival happened. It wasn't by chance. There was a little old lady that sat about halfway back on the end. And I mean, she was Sister Bibi was her name. And they honored her and they said, this revival is a result of her. She's been crying out fasting and praying for years for God to move in this town. And they said, it's because of Sister Bibi. And, and we honored her. I got to know her, talked with sweetest lady. She loved Jesus. And I'm telling you, God answered her prayer of intercession. She prayed and cried and fasted for God to break open. And he did. It, that, they met, we met solid for 52 days. They preached on Sunday, and we had to move it on Sunday. We had to move it to one of the elementary schools and use the gymnasium because the crowd was so big. Teresa Burnett visited that revival. We had kid. I met kids from other. We sat in on like the third row every single night. We had three rows filled up with kids of us from high school, different high schools. God kind of blended us in together, you know. That, that's the church Teresa and I got married in. Wanted to get married there when, when, when we, and it was like, we began to do witness teams. I went on witness teams. You know, I was in high school. They'd send us out. Churches would say, hey, we're hearing what's happening at that church. Could you send us some kids? And an adult would take us, and bam, we'd go out, and we'd just, they'd give us a whole service, and we'd just share testimonies of what God was doing. And God would begin doing the same thing there. Altars would be packed, praying for people to accept Jesus. 
that's, and it turned Anderson upside down. There was a headline after one, after a headline in the Chicago Tribune that said the revival of love in Anderson. That's what it was called. They had, they closed down city hall at noon and had prayer meetings. They had, I mean, it was, it was something like, it was unbelievable, but it because it was because of an intercessor. Someone stood in the gap and, and heard God's heart for what he wanted to do. And so they began to cry out, God, you want to do this. You want to do this. And so he believed God for it and he moved. What I'm saying is God wants to do the same thing here. And he's, he is doing this. There's, this place has changed a lot from when we moved here in 84. We've been crying out for God to change the economy in this place. He wants this area prosperous to where there's good paying jobs. We didn't have Boston when we moved here. And Cook, Cook has built a new building here. We didn't have, you know what was down Morgan Street that they're refinishing now that everybody's thrilled about? It is a patience building operation that's going on right now <laughs> in town. But you know what all that street used to be? Junky, beat up mobile homes all the way down. Old mobile homes. Oh, they were falling off. They were falling apart. You drove down through Morgan Street, and it was like, we didn't have Walmart. We didn't have, uh, there. it was a totally different picture here in 19, uh, May of 84 when we moved down here. God has been answering and changing stuff. It's an answer to prayer that that Main Street, uh, Spencer Main Street uh, organization's going. You know, it's like they're working on all the stuff they're doing to improve downtown. Those are answers to prayers that we've prayed for years for God to change that. We've prayed for God to begin to move in all the, anoint us with, with stuff. You know, that's part of Teresa's vision, and it's part of her calling is to, is to break open in that stuff. She's going to be going, you know, you guys, went, they, we, her and, and some of them went to uh, Bulgaria. Well, uh, one of the contacts wanted her to come to their, uh, I think it might, it's a, I don't know if it's an orphanage, but it's a home that rescues girls out of the sex trade traffic down in Nicaragua. And they said, we would like you to come and teach. The girls are wanting to know about intercession. They're wanting to know about prayer. Would you come and, and spend a week with us and teach on that? And she goes, we prayed about it. She said, sure. So she's going uh, in January down to there to do that. That's, but see, when part of her calling is that work spreading out and it spread, going touching the nations. God told her years ago, he said, I love it. He said, Everywhere you go, one of the prophetic words was, you leave goo every nation you step in. And she's like, I clean my shoes. I don't know what, what, what is this goo? And the Lord finally said, that goo is my presence. Because when you step into a place, you sense my heart for those people. And she does. Every time it's like, oh, God, you love these people. So you want to move here. You and so she goes into intercession and stuff like that. That's part of God's calling on her. Well, it's key that she has intercessors praying for her the whole time when she's gone. That God breaks open a way and breaks through in what he wants to do. 
Because there's resistance. <laughs> oh my. Is there resistance? Because the enemy does not want to see people come to know Jesus and to see their lives turned around and their families healed and marriages healed and kids grow up generations serving the Lord and loving the Lord. That's what he's after. It takes intercession. You know what? One of the things we've been doing on Wednesday nights is we started, I started going in and bringing the kids in, you know, to pray on before a Wednesday night service and stuff. Because You know Why? Because we want that foundation in them right from an early age of, here's what I'm looking for. Well, of course we pray before meetings. It's what we do. Of course we intercede to see God break through when we get together. You know, and so I, I, just, I want to encourage you this morning because I felt like God said, I've got some more intercessors that I want to speak to. I got some more I want to want to call because it's not just I I intercede most of the time on my way. I, you know I got I'm doing the business stuff. I'm heading on for deliveries and stuff, and so I'm interceding on the way doing doing that type of stuff. One of the things is it's not just the meetings here, and it's just not about the vision going forth and being established, and and there be an open openness on all of that, a completion on all of that. That's one of the reasons I know, since God told me, he said, that word was, this work will not go on unless you shelter it. I had, I, it's like, God, I need help on how to do this because that's not natural for me. I guess if I was type A personality or something, you know, but I'm not. I'm kind of easy going. And you know what? You need a, a warrior needs to have attitude. You know what I mean? Well, probably ought to pray. No, I ain't going to get it. You know? It was like, you know, we're going to have breakthrough, and we're going to remove these obstacles so that God has a free reign to pour out and do what he wants to do with hearts. That's the attitude you need. But huh, when, uh, anyway, I, one of the things I do when I, you know, we do that for here. But like when I go into businesses and stuff, it's like, Jesus, you are coming with me. I, I get into places. I almost feel like um, uh, I get to go in stealth because I don't go in. You, you don't go in and go, hey, Jesus loves you. You know that? And you go down. You don't do that. I walk in. I say, Jesus, flood these offices with your presence. If there's some hearts there. Begin to tenderize hearts. Begin to call them. Let them hear your voice. Let them know that you love them. You know, and you begin to bring God. Your presence wants to go everywhere. And so I'm inviting you into this place. And you just have at the people in there. Just have at them. And there's times when things, I've done that for years. And it's like his presence really, you know, and everybody's, I, there's times when opportunities will come up. People say, Man, I just got this going on. And I'll feel the Lord say, offer to pray for them. And so I'll man, that's that's awful, you know. And I said, you, could I pray for you? And almost every time they go, sure. So I get to pray for them and stuff, you know. It's not a religious thing. It's just God gets you in there to where there's not, and they, and they don't go to church. Most of them don't. You may not go to church. He also ties me up, ends up highlighting Christians in there and stuff. Somehow we end up kind of, 
mm, that person's a believer. You can just tell the presence of the Lord's around them. And so uh, before I started doing stuff over there, I kind of had a different mindset of what I thought of Bloomington. A lot of IU influence, you know, and that stuff and just thought, man, it's dark. But once I've gotten over there past few years, I find Christians out of the salt shaker sprinkled all over places. I get one here, get some here, group here. And it's like, God, you got your people everywhere. You got them in on these places. So then I begin to pray, God, strengthen their witness. Begin to light on them. Cause, cause others to be attracted to them. You know what I'm saying? I give you an idea. It's like wherever you're at, you have an opportunity to intercede and see the Holy Spirit begin to move in and change things. You know, because he wants us working as a body together. We work as a body. Ministries come out of the body life together. All of that, it's like, but it takes intercession. And so is it, intercession is just so important. You know, when I get a different client, I've had some that's gone in and like, whoa, this is difficult. You know, they're, they're not easy to deal with, kind of, and so it's like, Lord's just taught me over the years, quiet, gentle spirit just disarms some of that stuff. And you go in, um, I've had, you know, and I've, I've been gracious that people said, well, we're going someplace else. I said, that's fine. You know, I'd be gracious with them and just wish them all the best type of stuff. Nine times out of 10, I've had them come back two years later, three years later and go, oh my gosh, was that a mess? We're coming back to you. You know what happens in business when they have you got clients that you'll never lose. They already got burnt. And so they'll never, they'll never go anywhere else. You know what? God has places that he, he, he's not only got you places. He wants you going places. He's going to have, there may be, he may lay on your heart. You know, we've done all kinds of stuff, marching. We've gone around things. We've, we've prayed all over that place, but it's getting centered in on his heart. It's what you talked about, Tony, Marty. It's what you talked about getting centered in on God. What do you want? And hearing what he says and then obeying it. That's it. That's it in a nutshell. But I'm telling you, whoa, we have intercession before this meeting is so important. And so is before Wednesday. Anytime we have meetings, I'll tell you what, I have a speaker in again. We are going to be interceding just like we always do. I kind of, you take it for granted, you know, and at times like, well, God always breaks through. Well, because we're always interceding. Anyway, did anybody else sense that kind of a cap on Friday night when stuff? Okay. It's then normal. Yeah. It's because of intercession. That's it. So, hey, I want to uh, pray for you guys. So why don't you stand? We've still got empty chairs in the intercession room. Anybody feels called to join us, but, it, you know, just saying. So, Father, we just I just thank you for this group. God, I thank you for uh, this group of people. And, Lord, all that you're doing here. God, I want to thank you 
that uh, for someone like Teresa that's got that vision and that drive, got that arrow that, that goes forth, God, that's a clear work that we're doing and a clear thing to take place. God, I'm, I'm asking you, I'm asking for myself, God, that I see better how to shelter and protect that and open the way for that to go forth. And God, I ask you that for all the intercessors. And Lord, I also felt like you said you wanted to call more people into intercession. And so God, we just release your voice. And God, it's not a, not a thing of like, uh, recruiting thing, God, but we're just saying, God, our hearts are open that if you want more out of us, God, we, we want to hear you. Lord, we sang that song, whisper, whisper, whisper in my ear. And I hope I'm listening to you. And God, that challenge is because a lot of times we listen to a lot of other voices. And Lord, I believe you want us being solid in who we are in you. Because you can't be wishy-washy on, maybe I'm not good enough in intercession, you get picked off. God, it needs to be that strong foundation of, I'm your child, you love me, and you're calling me to do this, you will enable me. So God, give us ears to hear and solid footing in who you are in us to stand strong in that. So God, I just bless your people. I thank you for him in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message.